Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Weff. And as always, I'm joined all the way from Siberia, all the way across the world. Andrew Flint, how are you doing? <laughs> Probably slightly more alert than you boys at the moment, but not doing too badly. And uh, it's good to be back on, as always. Although there's plenty of drama and crisis to discuss, as usual, because, as everybody knows, we cover the most crisis-ridden, confusing league in the world. So um, let's get into it. Yeah, let's do get into it. And yeah, thank you, Andrew, for mentioning the really bright and early time. Um, time difference always makes this recording <laughs> an interesting aspect. And uh, today we started recording before it was even six. It's summer and it's still dark. Oof. That's just how early we're recording. Um, I know one man who's not far away from, from where I am right now, Tim, um, yeah, the sun hasn't even come up yet, and it might not today. It's raining. Yeah. Yeah, good morning, Manu. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, listeners. Yeah, we're just recording before uh, I have to go to work. So it's 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 5.54 a.m. So if we, not as usual, our energetic selves, then uh, this is the main reason. But we're still excited to talk about some crazy stuff which happened in the Russian Premier League. So here we are. Well, you know, on that note, uh, let's jump right into it. Put the toothpicks between our eyelids and make sure they're right and open and actually get uh, through this material because we got a lot of stuff happening. Um, the first one I want to start with is Ignashevich, um, banned for only having a UEFA A and pretending to not actually be a head coach. This never happens in Russian football, Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, I was waiting for the serious note then. Yes, of course, this never ever happens. I mean, it's not like Russian football to find you know, a loophole, shall we say. Um, uh, I don't even know where to start on this. Personally, I actually think, for a serious, serious for a moment, I actually think the ruling doesn't really make a huge amount of sense to me because uh, the ruling saying that you have to have a UEFA Pro license to manage in, is it the top two tiers of European football, I think it is? Um, I, personally, I don't quite get it because it's the club's risk. If they want to employ somebody who has, I mean, they're not going to employ somebody who's only got a level two FA badge, are they? So if they're not going to employ somebody who's so bad um, that is going to damage the, you know, the, the well-being of their um, the players in the club. Um, but even if they did, it's their risk anyway. So I can't really understand why it's so rigidly enforced recently. Um, but yeah, Ignashevich, um, he's followed what seems to be a trend in. Well, not just Russian football, but um, across football as a whole. You know, a former player with a lot of experience, clearly a lot of knowledge of the game, um, being drafted pretty much straight in. He's had a, about a season of youth football and uh, coaching at CSK Moscow, and that's it. But he's doing a good job so far. Um, and we've seen a Rostov a few years ago with Berdev or not Berdev. Um, and, of course, Borab Masayev at Krasadar this season. Um it's interesting to see Krasnodar are, you know, on the surface, obeying the aesthetics of the rule, should we say, with Masayev not doing the press conferences anymore, not sitting on the bench in the um, manager's seat anymore. Um, I Quite frankly, I think I think it's a, a rather pointless rule. Um, but Torpedo Moscow are going to have to find a way around it. 
Um, and in the meantime, they actually are doing extremely well. So uh, it could become under the spotlight even more in the coming season. You're glad you're bringing up to Peter Moscow because I'm just looking at the standings right now. It's uh, seven games in. They have won five, drawn one, lost one. Clearly the UEFA, the lack of a UEFA license is not hurting him too much. Um, but Andrew, looking at those standings, I mean, you see Otto Volgograd in second place, but first is, mm. um, yeah, Kimki. Oh, dear God. Oh, come on. Look, seriously, okay, I'm sorry, I've got to put my foot down now. UEFA have got to open their eyes to what catastrophic hell they are about to possibly bring upon us. They must realise, they must do everything in their power to ensure Kimki don't come anywhere near human beings again. I mean, this is just a dreadful situation. Um, oh, God, man, we can't have them in the top flight, can we? Please tell me we can't. Well, usually you're stuck in a traffic jam around Kimki anyways when you go to the airport. <laughs> well, you know what, man, I'll tell you what. I'll say something that should give us both a bit of confidence and faith. Um, you mentioned the top of the table. Rotovolgrad are fairly high up, and they play in a World Cup stadium. Yeah. And that's all I need to say. I think, I think you get where I'm going with this. You're saying <laughs> Kimki is not a World Cup um, stadium facility? <laughs> Controversial oh, statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, world class. Um, I'm trying to think of a way I can twist this to say yes. No, absolutely not. World class in how awful it is. That's about the best I can do, I'm afraid. Yeah, okay. Well, let's leave uh, poor Kimki alone and uh, um, hopefully Ignashevich can actually get um, can get a license so he can coach his team and get Torpedo back into the, the Russian Premier League. Of course, there's a, there's a team that's very well known, um, a team that had some issues in the past, um, also a bit of a stadium situation problem at times as well. But, you know, if anyone who's ever visited a stadium, the murals around the stadium are, of course, world famous. And I, I know a lot of people go and visit that place. Um, but speaking of short visits, so Tormen. Oh, that's a good transition. Tim, yeah. Um, th th this was this transfer that we discussed earlier in the season, right? Guy joins Ruben Kazan for um, how many days? A few? A couple hours? And then gets straight transferred to Zenit. Um, you pasted the official contract in here. Or is it club statement? Yeah, it's it's uh, well, kind of like an, an official receipt uh -huh. uh, from Rubin Kazan to his previous uh, club, and um, pretty much it speaks about the uh, well, by previous club I mean not the not the Orenburg, but uh, the uh, Volgar uh, football club. So he they they supposed to well, just let's let's start from the beginning from for the listeners who haven't heard that that. Alexei Sutarmin, who had a great season last year for the football club Orenburg, he pretty much it was it sounded like the end done deal uh, at the end of last season that he will join Zenit because um, he had a connection to Zenit. He was there at the youth level, so he had a good season. And with the new uh, foreigners rule coming in in place soon in Russia, uh, Zenit need to increase the number of homegrown and just Russian citizens players just to fit into the rules. So the transfer made complete sense. And it was pretty much almost done, done, done. Like they just waited for, we all just waited for the official uh, notice. And then absolutely unexpected, Alexei Sutarmin ended up being in, in Rubin Kazan. He was there, like, yeah, like Manu said, for a few days. Uh, and then after that, uh, he was transferred back uh, to Rubin. So pretty much what happened, it's no surprise that Gazprom sponsors not only um, Orenburg, not only Zenit in the club in the Russian Premier League, but also Arenburg. So pretty much what happened that Alexei Sutarmin didn't get the transfer to Zenit. He went to Rubin instead. Gazprom management and Zenit and Sergei Simak said, what's going on? We really want this player. So they found a way to uh, not to cancel the contract, but really to make the contract uh, extremely uh, cheap. Uh, so what happened that the player whose value on transfer market, I believe, is uh, $3.5 million, um, went from uh, <laughs> from uh, Rubin Kazan to Zenit for 50,000 rubles, which is 
uh, not a lot of money for uh, for for a player. So it just the whole situation is just such a farce and just. Uh, an extremely ridiculous situation that uh, the player during the transfer window joins one club, then the big club says that no, 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 we still want him. They found a fairly strange way to come up with a strange transfer amount to finally transfer him to Rubin Kazan, to, to Zenit St. Petersburg for Rubin Kazan. And then, and then the Volga Astrakhan, uh, who is the uh, one of the clubs who, who Sutermin played for, and they get a little cut from his uh, transfer deal. They get the total amount of somewhere around... Um, thousand rubles if what the statement is saying so pretty much uh as the there was there was a twitter joke it's somewhere around a few packages of uh, french fries uh, so which they got from the player who potentially will be a national team player so absolutely ridiculous situations but uh, yeah today's episode will be full of stories like that so uh, just to break this down um tim fifty thousand rubles is uh a thousand canadian dollars so 800 us <laughs> dollars 750 euros and uh a thousand rubles is 20 bucks or 16 dollars us or 15 euros yeah <laughs> yeah there was there was an article on sports through uh where they there where they compared different prices compared to the uh compensation for alexei sutarmin and turned out that Alana Mamaeva, uh, the wife of an uh, infamous uh, Russian jail football player who, who is also known for her interesting behavior, uh, apparently she purchased a Louis Vuitton um, package for her lipstick, which cost $75,000. So Alana Mamaeva lipstick uh, holder is more expensive than a player who potentially will be playing for national team and will play in Champions League. <laughs> That's an unbelievable... Oh, so, and what, what are Volga Astrakhan going to do with 20 bucks? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I would do. I'd buy four shawarma, eat them in one go, and then try and forget about that thing. <laughs> I mean, it's... The, oh, my God. I just... I, it's so hard to know where to even start. Well done, Tim, summing up what is one of the maddest stories um, <laughs> that we've come across in recent times. I've always thought the solidarity payment ruling needs to be, it needs to favour the smaller clubs um, for the health of football in general. Um, but this is the, what, what's ridiculous, not just the 50,000 ruble um, fee, but the compensation is 1% of the transfer fee. I mean, when you see sell-on clauses or development clauses, you never really see them usually for less than, I don't know, 10, 15%, sometimes a lot more than that. 1%. What the, what's the point? It's almost insulting. I would almost rather say, don't give us 1%, give us nothing, or just give us something meaningful, because they are basically sending them for Shaoma. There you go. Go on, have a meal for a day, you know, that's it. Oh, dear God. I just... I, I, oh, Russian football. So are you dear telling God. me Volga Astrakhan's head coach is not going to take the team to McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> they, won't, they won't have enough to go around the whole team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so probably the massive uh, squad rebuilt which they were planning for the, with Sutermin's money is not going to work out and they yeah, would have to take <laughs> a couple of leaders, maybe captain and vice captain to the, to the McDonald's <laughs> it'll boost morale I don't think you can even get a bottle of vodka for that these days <laughs> no you can. you can trust me, I've just been to a supermarket to get my beer for tonight's game and uh, I saw a 99 ruble bottle of vodka. Okay, good. Um, so, I'm not sure. so they're good. You know, that's totally 99 rubles. You get 10 bottles of vodka. They can drown their <laughs> sorrows <laughs> on a cheap Russian spirit. Um, uh, ugh, it's right. Next it's, game is going to be tough for them. That, that, that vodka will kill them. Yeah. You know, Yashin always said a, a shot of vodka um, to... To settle the yeah, nerves, like, yeah. no, and uh, a c cigarette to uh, steal the muscles. So, um, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> very Andrew, while we're still on this on the topic of alcohol, could you please give us an update on the beers you'll be consuming today while watching Krasnodar play versus Olympiakos? Oh, absolutely! I'd be delighted to give you a brief update. Um, as you know, Tim, the best brand of beer is Sibirska Corona. So today. 
the choice is Sibirsko Premial Neue Piva. Um, oh. So I've got 1.4 litres in the fridge, and I've got about uh, I've got about half a bottle left as well over. So um, it's only the best, only premium for Krasadar tonight. Nice Siberian beer, huh? Good choice. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hopefully you don't have to drown your Zoros like um, <laughs> like Volgastad. <laughs> <laughs> or, here's a thought, Robert Bauer, um, a player who joined Arsenal Tula from Werder Bremen. Have you guys seen the tweet? Oh, there's... <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> tweet is ridiculous. There is three very unhappy people. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love the German touch on top. Robert, herzlich willkommen in Arsenal. Um, yeah, but the faces, I mean, we have to tweet this out later after the podcast it... is out. Like, yeah, like cases. for all the English listeners, I think it was the transfer of this player to Everton who went on loan. I think it was it Neil Lennon or Andrew. You probably remember the story when they posted the picture. He went on loan, um, yeah. and he was <laughs> absolutely devastated. Who said who was it? <laughs> it was Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon. He plays for Burnley now, um, yeah, and he yeah, was a. Yeah. Really, really good player on his day. Um, but yes, when he signed for, when he signed for, uh, Everton, he, I've never seen anybody, it's, it's difficult to look that miserable. And this, this picture of Robert Bauer, it's, well, yeah, I've, I've got better things to do with my life than sign for Arsenal to the by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, but the, on a serious note, uh, uh, Manu, can you give us an update? Because I read a little bit that he played. In uh, Ingolstadt, he played in Nuremberg, so he's he has a Bundesliga experience. How the hell he ended up in Arsenal Tula? Yeah, um, that's a very good question. Uh, he has apparently one of those co one of those citizenships. Um, you know, he's he has Kazakh citizenship as well, and there's there's some some rumors that he that might actually be able to be converted into a Russian citizenship. But yeah, he's a He's a Volga German, right? So, um, he got that, that Russian background, which of course makes, makes it easier to go to the Russian Premier League. He really wanted to leave Werder Bremen. Um, he was last year, he was on loan, and um, at Nuremberg, played there in the Bundesliga and then had to return to Werder and then, um, yeah, just wanted to play more first team football, right? So, uh, it's really, um, it's really a, a big issue. At the moment for him to, to find those minutes. So I guess Arsenal was kind of like an escape route for him and, uh, that last hope. And I hope that, I hope it works out for him a lot better than the, uh, first picture suggests because he can be a good player on his day. Um, he played at the Olympic team as well, the Germany Olympic team that, um, reached the final in Brazil in 2016, right? And uh, was only eliminated on um, penalties. Um, won the silver medal. So this is actually, he's actually a good player. It's just the, the question is, is he going to be, um, actually happy playing for Arsenal Tula? But yeah, we got a lot of German players in the, in the Premier League these days. Um, it's an ever increasing pool of players and some, a league that in the past Germans wouldn't really have gone to. It's like, it's interesting how that's changing. Yeah. Well, my club has a brilliant, fantastic, uh, German player, which we're absolutely in love with and which we will talk very, very soon about. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. And, uh, you know, you mentioned this. This is a great transition. Let's talk about the results for this weekend, right? Get into, get into the, oh, no, you know what? Let's don't. Uh, because before we talk about the results of this weekend, Andrew. <laughs> oh, God. It's my turn now, isn't it? Yeah. I almost forgot. Um, quite <laughs> frankly, it's very early in the morning. So, you know, this is, uh, just how it is today. Uh, um, Tumen, Andrew Tumen. I, I know you're following them around in the third division, but um there's another point deduction. Tell me about this. Yeah, well, um last season Tumen finished right at the bottom of the Fanel and were relegated, but they were also given a six point deduction, which dates back to about twenty fourteen. Uh, and it was all about bonuses that were arranged with players but not officially signed by the club. Um, so, of course, highly illegal. And some of the players received bonuses, but some didn't. And the ones who didn't 
took the took the issue up with the courts, and they went all the way to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, who ruled in their favour, even though the club didn't formally sign any documents. It was the manager at the time who had done so. So Russian Football Union docked two men six points last season and and also handed them a fine. Now, the president of the club was absolutely adamant that the club themselves were not at fault because they weren't aware that some payments had been made. Now, the payments hadn't come from the club accounts. The manager himself um, is is really the one who's who's caused all the trouble. The problem is the club still haven't paid the fine. So the Russian Football Union have said, right, you've got officially from now, they have five days to actually pay the fine. Otherwise, they will be given another six-point deduction. Now, the different the problem is this. The Fennel has 20 teams, so 38 matches. So 38 matches, six points is still a lot. But this season, there are only 22 matches before the division splits in two and there are five more games. So six points makes a much bigger difference, almost twice the difference. Um, now, I, I have it from sources in the club that the president is not going to pay. Firstly, on a matter of principle, because he, he knows he's not, not done anything wrong. But also, Tumen being a state-run club, he appealed to the Tumen Oblast um, Chief Justice about this and said, look, we are being punished and we sh- it's not the club. It's, it's not the well, sporting branch of the Tumen government that is at fault here. And they ruled in his favour, which for various complicated legal reasons means if he does end up paying the fine, he will be admitting to paying bonuses that the club didn't agree to at the time because the documents weren't dated in time. So he would get he would get charged with fraud. And it's a, it, this is just a mess of Russian football, right? Um, the one court, a regional court, rules in one favour, court of arbitration sport rules for another. And all this while, just to top it all off, the manager in question, Konstantin Galkin, is still in full-time employment for Nizhny Novgorod as the assistant manager. He has continued his career and he's walked away basically scot-free. Um, and it's the club who are still being punished for this. Um, but if we're going to end on a good note, it's, it's this, that uh, even with a six-point deduction, I still am confident that Chumen would win this division because they are absolutely flying at the moment. So at least there's that going in our favour. My word, it's complicated. Yeah, that is complicated, and it's also a pretty serious issue because we, if we had a past example in Nepro, uh, Nepropetrovsk, right, that if you don't pay the fine, point deductions keep getting added until the fine is paid, because Nepro uh, lost about, you know, I think it was uh, three, then it was six, then it was nine, it was twelve, um, then there was additional point deductions the following season. So this issue basically will be, will stay an issue until the fine is paid or a upper court rules in Tumen's favor. So this is, this is a pretty serious issue, mm-hmm. right? Um, I know that for Nepo eventually it meant the end of the club, um, because, uh, Kolomoisky at the time just refused to pay, um, and still hasn't paid. So, you know, any, the, the club, Still gets getting hit with uh, point deductions by FIFA, which basically meant the end of the line. So it's going to be interesting how this one plays out, Andrew. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Um, and it, it, I mean, the amounts of money, it's, it's been said that it's, it's three million rubles in total. There are three players in, in this court case and they, they claim they're owed a million rubles each. Um, which is just huge amounts of money for the club and the regional government are not going to want to. Uh, pay up, I'm sure, because their court has ruled like that. But like you say, it's the football club that suffers. That's the that's the worst part of all of this. It's the football club that is suffering when the football club itself um, have basically been well screwed over by a manager who signed documents himself and agreed and and made and promised these these payments to players that that didn't end up coming. Um, but we've seen, we've seen Chumen have problems like this before. And this is what happens in the lower tiers. Chumen disbanded their first team 15 years ago. They didn't even have a senior professional side for a couple of seasons. Um, so it's, it's concerning. Um, I genuinely do not know how this is going to play out. I really don't on the legal front, at least. Um, but at least the team are doing well at the moment. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep an eye on this one. 
and see um, what the result is going to be and like in the end or if there is ever going to be a result. Um, yeah. So speaking of results, let's actually get to results. And this time I'm earnest. I'm not going to get sidetracked and talk about something else beforehand. Um, the Russian Premier League result from this weekend. Orenburg 1, Sochi 1. Um, so that's Gazprom 2 against Gazprom 3 drawing each other. Ural 1, Samara 3. Tampov 0, Krasnodar 2. Good result for them before the um, really crucial Champions League game. Zenit 0, so that would be Gazprom 1. Against Ahmad 0. Ruben 1, Arsenal Tula 0. Um, Robert Bauer's face not getting much happy after that result. Ufa 2, Rostov 0. Um, Dynamo 1, Lokomotiv 2. Spartak 2, CSK 1. Ooh, some good Moscow derby results there. Some interesting stuff that we have to um, kind of unpack a little bit. But before we start unpacking those results, yeah, uh, someone wasn't too happy about their 0-0 draw against uh, Ahmad Grosny. Um, Sergei Semak was so upset. The rest of the sword them and it was caught on camera. No, this is just not a good look. I mean, when are, when are people going to figure out that they're actually being filmed doing games? Um, you know, the la- the last warning shot for every head coach in the world that they should behave themselves should be Joachim Löw when he duck around uh, in his pants to looking for something and sniffed his hands afterwards. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, if the cameras catch that, they will catch everything. So, uh, yeah, who wants to uh, go for this one? Tim? Yeah, I, I can do it, yeah, because pretty much what happened, uh, Zenit played versus Ahmad Grozny. Uh, the game started with the red card uh, to Ahmad player, and Ahmad was pretty much 10 people, uh, 10 players from the start of the game. And uh, according to Artem Zuba, who gave a very fiery interview after the game, that they were laying on the ground for 15 minutes, and the goalie was uh, doing the goal kick for 20 minutes. So he, obviously, the, you know, Ahmad took their time to, you know, to do everything to stop the flow of the game. But at the same time, um, um, two Zenit goals were ruled out and one of them pretty much incorrectly. And there also was a call for the penalty when the ball hit an arm of uh, an Ahmad player. So, um, yeah, Zenit, they have the right to be not very happy with the referee this thing. But then after the... After the match, uh, Sergei Simak stormed uh, to the referees and, um, yeah, he used not very pleasant. Well, it's not actually, it's not too bad, the, the language he used. It's not like he swore. And look, no, I don't know how really to qualify that, but it's not like the ba- the worst thing you can say to a referee, but it's still pretty much disrespectful. And unfortunately for him, it was caught on camera and then he apologized publicly for using such a language. But, um, yeah, but uh, that was a very controversial game, which um, really brought up lots of lots of conversation about uh, the game about the uh, the war because uh, the war just for for the listeners who might not know war in russia exists but it exists on only some games so for example i think they do it on a two or three games per uh, match day because not uh, because they don't have enough qualified um referees who can do the VAR job, uh, the uh, VAR and assistant referee VAR. Uh, so um, there's not enough qualified and licensed uh, co- referees who can do that. So they can only do, like I said, a few games per match day. And that ends up being, in my opinion, not very fair because some uh, teams get benefit or sometimes maybe not benefit of, of the VAR and some some teams don't. So teams being not really in a similar sporting conditions, but um, that was the decision from the, the the Russian Football Association and from the referees association that they will start slowly, just introducing yet a couple of games, and hopefully by the uh, end by the next calendar year they will have enough referees to have you know to have a VAR at all the games. So big referee, you know. Conver- con- 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 uh, I don't know the word, but drama, let's call it drama in Zenit and Zenit uh, lose their points. They're still in the head of, ahead of everyone, but they lost the points in a game which they felt like they should be getting three points. I think the word you were looking for, Tim, is controversy, but it's, exactly. it's early. Um, I think words have been slipping through a little bit for all of us. But, um, you know, Tim um, and actually Andrew, 
I, I've been kind of wondering about this whole VAR thing because I've seen it in games and I have not seen it in some. Really? Is is that your solution when it comes to it's like okay, well, we're going to we're going to want we want to introduce this uh, technology. We don't really understand how it works, so we're just only going to have it at the games where we have like one or two qualified people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I, oh, that baffles my mind. I, I think I kind of already wanted to ask about this last week, and I'm glad you're bringing this up. And that's probably the most Russian Premier League solution ever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, oh, we better, we better catch up. Oh, the last minute, let's throw something in there. Go on, it looks like we're doing something about it. I mean, look, uh, just very briefly on VAR. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole too deeply. But I think personally, as a general concept, it's a good thing if it is presented and prepared for and trained for properly. And the way it's implemented, should there should be much stricter time limits on it. There should be much more transparency so people understand what's going on. Um, but unfortunately, I think the mud that is sticking to VAR's name right now, so many people are violently against it because they just don't like how it's been implemented. And it's sort of mudding the reputation of VAR itself. Um, but not that that bothers the, the, the Russian authorities or anybody for that matter. Personally, I think a lot more testing, a lot more basic research should have been done into the system, not just in Russia, but in all countries. Um, to to make it more effective and to fit the game. It's trying to change the game too much the way they're implementing it. Um, and, and to do that, to do it partially in a league, is just the, it's, it's just the worst idea in the world. I don't know who signed off on that idea. We'll just, we'll just chuck it around two or three games. Then there's total confusion, even more confusion than before. It's, it's just, um, it's illogical even by Russian football standards you can either you bring it in completely or you don't that's yeah yeah exactly you, you can't just uh, excuse my language but you can't half-ass it i mean this is not, not for the integrity of the game you either have every mm -hmm. single game refereed in a league at the same standard right oh that, absolutely it absolutely means that that's the only way you can proceed with this I mean, I get the whole controversy about VR, the, the, the problems that have, uh, the, the technology had in the Bundesliga, we had some growing pain. It's gotten a lot better. I am, um, I think the biggest mm. problem with VR is that, is that our laws, the laws of the game are not designed to be judged by technology or not all laws of the game are designed to be judged by technology, right? This is, this is something that we still come to terms with and um maybe the laws of the game have to be have to be changed to actually fit the technology right but i mean that's an entire different debate if you bring in a technology to judge games you can't just do it in two or three games as a, a match day right because you're going to yep. without a doubt advantage some teams of others it's just that's not i mean that's the very different like that's the very definition of the law that 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 VR was brought in was to protect the integrity of the game, but you're doing the opposite with this. Exactly, you lose the sports sportsmanship aspect because not everyone is in, in the on the same ground. Yeah, exactly, and it's not that that is the very definition of not having integrity in the game. So this is ridiculous. I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, I, we shouldn't be too surprised, right? It's, uh, it's the, yeah, I don't want to say it's the Russian way, Tim, but it is, it is, <laughs> it is kind of typical because it's like, yeah. it's like this appearance. It's almost for appearance sake, right? Rather for it to actually be, um, because like they're like, oh, we don't, we're not ready for this technology, but we want to show the world that we can handle this technology. So this is what they end up doing. Exactly. Yeah, what an episode today, uh, full of controversy and like drama and weird stories. But yeah, that's like Russian Premier League in a nutshell for you. This is this is this is the league we're following. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Um, we're getting everything here. Yeah, so this is this is VR done and dusted. I'm pretty sure we we have more chances to chat about it. But let's get into the Moscow derby, shall we? Um, the the first one, of course, Dynamo Moscow have spent. A lot of money, Tim. I mean, a ton of money this summer. Money that they probably don't have and will bite them in the butt later on. Um, I'm sure of it. 
And some of that money scored a goal in the third minute, but it still wasn't enough um, to actually for them to win this game. And, you know, when you look at the standings now at Dinamo, they're in the drop zone. Um, I think all that money that they've spent has to turn into something very soon. Otherwise, they're going to go into a major crisis. Yeah, and I think that, like we said, already mentioned a couple of times on the previous episodes that uh, Dmitry Kochlov's job is really, really at the danger right now because really with all those investments, and like we said, those investments are coming from the VTB Bank, which is a, um, a powerful bank in Russia, but uh, their whole idea, they, they're not really super passionate about the football club Dynamo. It's not like their dream to sponsor Dynamo. No, it's because Dynamo has a brand new stadium. It's located in a very nice area and they want to make this area really, really uh, presentable. Like it's a very good real estate value. So they want to make um, the area, you know, like a, a place uh, for people to spend their time at, uh, to go out. And they want, want to make... Um, the aspect of going watching Dynamo and supporting Dynamo is like a cool thing that you go into a cool place and you have this beautiful stadium you have this team which in theory plays beautiful football has some European stars like Maximilian Philip playing for the team and um, you know getting the whole experience but at the same time when we look at the table right now Dynamo are you absolutely correct they are on 13th place which is a playoff relegation and they have only below them two newcomers, Tambov and Sochi, and Orenburg team, which came from a complete uh, destruction during the summer transfer window and sold, I believe, 10 of their uh, players and pretty much got no one instead. So you have to, like, really, they typically, technically, and in the bottom of the table, if we just take out the two promoted teams and Orenburg, which is completely um, just destroyed team. This is not really the outcome which Dynamo owners and and, uh, Vatibi Bank were uh, hoping for and uh, like we like we said, uh, Kurban Birdeev is still unemployed and still he's still looking for uh, for job and uh, like there's there were quite a few rumors that he will end up either at Sochi or Tambov because they're because of his links to to the owners. Uh, but um, yeah, like Mitikhov, especially after this loss. Uh, in a derby and, you know, losing to Lagamatif is no shame because this team has been consistently strong in, in the, in the past, uh, few years. But if you take a look, the whole results and your position in the league and having five points after six games and, um, you know, being already quite far away from the European places, which is, um, you know, obviously their goal because they, because again, going back to this project. So yeah, the things are not going back, uh, not going very well at Dynamo Moscow. And uh, like we said many times on at this podcast, we won't be surprised if uh, the coaching change is uh, coming up. Uh, yeah, Maximilian Philip yeah, scored the goal and that's great. Um, and yeah, he was impressive. But at the same time, the position doesn't really uh, align the, the goals of the football club for this season. Yeah, no, the, the goal was actually a beautiful free kick. Um, scored from the edge of the box. So, um, and I, when you, when you look at the whole overall game, I thought that Dynamo actually played quite well. It's just, you know, the results are just not there. And, you know, we're in a results based business. And, um, that's really the bottom line, isn't that? So it will be interesting to see what happens. I mean, Kovin Bedeev, he, he's desperate for a job in Moscow, right? He's been, he's been trying to get that job in Moscow for, for a long time. And it's just, um, not really happening for him. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if this is maybe the one that he's going to end up getting. Um, Tim, I'm going to stay with you. I mean, basically, I'm just going to say, please okay, do, you, please stay. You just, you just won two one against CSKA, <laughs> Moscow. And, and yeah, I, I think you can just walk us through that one because. <laughs> I know you, you left a, a message in the chat and told us not to tell you the results. So you, you watched it a little bit late as you usually do, but, uh, I think it was worth the wait, wasn't it? It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.
Absolutely, yeah. Like uh, I was at work during the game. The game was ten o'clock in the morning our time on Monday, so I obviously was at work and wasn't able to watch properly the game. So I waited uh, till the end of the day. Um, but uh, I drank it. wasn't It wasn't actually Sibirska Corona, unfortunately. But then I cooked myself a nice dinner and I watched the game, and it was a beautiful result because Spartak won over Ceska two one. Uh, but the uh, b- but if we talk purely about football, the first uh, the first half was absolutely uh, Tesca dominated Spartak, and they were a better side after the first uh, forty five minutes. Um, they were very impressive. They pretty much controlled the game, and um, it wasn't the most you know beautiful game, especially in the first half. But in the second half, the game just exploded. It was, it's, it's, it went, it had a pure, absolute derby vibe with, um, you know, with injuries, with fights, with, uh, the game was stopped because CSKA uh, fans, when they scored the goal, uh, they, uh, did the fireworks and the, the game was stopped for a few minutes. So there was so much drama, but, uh, most importantly, it was, it was just the, the, uh, the actual vibe of the derby. It was so, so, passionate and uh, I loved it obviously so what happened the Spartak won 2-1 and um, uh, Samuel Jigo who is the central defender of the of the club he scored two goals both of those goals um, uh, well the first goal was a counter-attack and second goal was a set piece uh, Andrea Shurli was f- absolutely phenomenal again uh, the, the fans call him the master because Every every move, every touch of the ball, he shows like such a pure class. Everything he does is just like above anyone um, who currently plays in Russian Premier League. Probably on par with, uh, with the times when we had uh, Anji when they bought a whole bunch of super super famous and super super great uh, players. But uh, he is just unbelievable. Everything what Andre Shurley does is just it just is so much class in his in his movement. Everything is forward. Everything is attacking. Pretty much almost zero mistakes, and the, and the uh, cross which he made uh, for the first goal to Samuel Gigo was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Tsiskar really had a well a game of two halves because the first they they really they were a better team and they should should have converted their possession and everything in the goal, but uh, they didn't get their chances. And then second time Spartak just went absolutely crazy and they dominated the second half. And uh, Samuel Gigo scored uh, from the counter-attack when Shurli got across. Then Mario Fernandez equalized with a very, very nice goal. But, um, you know, it was a good, good attack. And then he placed a beautiful shot. And then uh, the game was stopped uh, because the uh, CSKA fans celebrated the goal with the lots and lots of fireworks. Uh, the game was stopped and it was also caused a little bit of controversy again um, leading to war because the players and the coach said, yeah, the fireworks are gone. Like We can see the, the, the game going, but the referee said, no, we still have to wait because the war, they cannot see uh, what's going on because they were positioned um, in a position where they cannot really see what was going on. So the the break was, I think, almost like seven to eight minutes. And in the first attack when the game came back, after the fireworks, Spartak scores a goal from the set piece. So the, it, there was a little bit of blame of CSKA fans because uh, CSKA just came back into the game. They made it 1-1 and they were on this high of the scoring the goal and they potentially could have turned around the game and maybe won the game. But the game was stopped for seven minutes. Uh, everyone calmed down, and then Spartak got the uh, got the set piece. And in the cover in the stadium, which was covered um, as from the TV picture in in the smoke, Jigo scores the goal from the set piece. So fantastic result! Uh, yeah, very proper derby. Especially the second half was a proper derby field of fights and 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 emotions. But uh, Spartak ended, ended up being on top, and uh, we're back into the competition. Uh, we're on the fourth place right now, uh, only three points away from the from Zenit. I don't have a, any hopes uh, of probably winning the league. But at the same time, that's nice to see the team uh, up there. This is my roundup of the derby. Exciting. Yeah, there's not much really left to discuss, so we can just... I'm not kidding. We're not going to just move. <laughs> Andrew, um, looking at those those pictures, especially from, you know, and this this is, this adds to the whole VR controversy, um, there was so much mm. smoke, you couldn't really even see. I mean, much of the field. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, and if you like use technology, then I, I guess this is something I've never really thought about. That's, that's kind of crazy. It makes it really hard for, for, for the cameras, et cetera, to, to actually follow the game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I am actually in favor of, of a bit of pyrotechnics if it's sensibly done. It, it creates a bit of atmosphere. It just looks incredible from, at least from the TV to be in the so state. It would have been not in chaotic. Russia done. Right, because it has to be sent. Well, to be done. yeah, that's the, uh, I certainly wouldn't actively encourage it, but if it happens, I won't complain. Let's put it that way. Um, no, it was, it was just, it was absolutely mad. And for me, it was really fitting watching watching the game. It was just an unbelievable, breathless end to end derby game. It was just, I thought it was a brilliant advert for on pitch um, character. I mean, Gigo, where on earth that two goal performance came from? Um, and actually, as far as I understand, he's the first defender to score two goals in that in the the CSK Moscow Spartak yes. derby. Mm. Like fifty, I think I think it's only like fifty since, years ago. Somebody else did fullback since nineteen sixty four. Alexander Krutikov scored two. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm delighted for Zhigo. I would like to say that um, because last season, I don't know if you guys remember, there was one game where. He made a challenge in the box. He was on the ground and had plenty of time to recover. And he just sat there watching it. And there were memes made about Gigo being lazy, Gigo not caring about the team. Um, but he's stuck, he's stuck there. He's made a good partnership with Jikia. And this game is that, it's the boost it will give him in confidence and popularity, um, is, is enormous. And I think he really could go on to be a decent leader within the, se- the team. I don't mean literally captain, but a leader on the pitch. And that can only be a good thing for Spartak. Yeah. Um, CSKA are a very young team. Um, I just want to briefly talk about this because we have, we have some more to discuss. They had a 15 year old Vladislav Torop on the bench. Um, their average age at the moment is only 23.8 for the entire side. When you, when you look at their side in general, you know, it's almost like they don't have a ton of experience at the moment and, I know that under, um, Victor Gontarenko, they're under a bit of a rebuild. Um, lots and lots of youth being brought in, but boy, that's, that's a lot of inexperienced players at the moment. It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to react. If they're going to maybe sign someone else in the transfer market and bring in that extra needed experience because they may need it. Um, but yeah, I want to actually stay with Spartak because, um, can we call him a title candidate? And I'm not going to Tim for this because he's going to just be biased. So, Andrew, title candidate, yes <laughs> or no? And also, they have a pretty important game coming up against Sporting Braga um, midweek. Yeah, um, well, to answer your first question, I I think it's a little early to say title contenders, but I we said at the beginning of the season, uh, I think we all agreed they would finish fourth or fifth. That was our prediction. Um but with momentum, you never know. I, I'll be honest. I still expect them to finish fourth. Um, but title, title contender is a bit of a push because it will rely on their quite, you know, quite vast amount of changes in the squad for them all to settle in. But like Tim says, Shula settled in brilliantly. I mean, seriously well. I've been, I, I know we all know he's a, he's a great player. He's an actual, actually deserved World Cup German winner in Russia. Mm. Um, so. You know, he's been fantastic. Goose Teal has the quality, but, you know, we've not seen a huge amount from him yet, although he has been good when he's come on. Um, I still think there are better squads in the league, so I, I'm not going to quite elevate them to title contenders yet. Um, but uh, Thursday will be an interesting measure uh, away to Braga. Um, get into the group stages, settle down. Right, we've got European football for at least half a season. We've got the momentum going. Four wins, competitive wins in a row. The first time in 18 months um, for Spartak. This is, it could be the start of a really, well, season-defining run already. I know it's early to say that, but it really could be. Yeah, and then what about the the, the Praga game? I mean, that's that's huge. Um, Tim, your thoughts as well. I mean, getting into yeah. that group stage is going to be crucial, right? Absolutely, yeah, because really, like, we have a fairly big squad right now, and I think uh, that games uh, of uh, 
with Braga will define the future of quite a few players who are on the verge of um, being in the lineup, not being in the lineup, like Jano Ananidze, Tashaev, and a few other players. Because honestly, with the um, transfers of Shurli, Thiel, and Larson, uh, which pretty much we brought three attacking players, and Spartak was already pretty much uh, stacked up in, in, in that, just in terms of like numbers, in terms of bodies. Um, that uh, really, like, if, if Spartak doesn't make it to Europe, we don't really need that many players. And um, but that's just one side of the thing. Um, yeah, Braga is yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a decent opponent. Spartak hasn't been brilliant, especially like in Europe. The games against a fairly small team, Toon, were not um, e- easy walk in the park. It was pretty tough, and even Toon were leading um, one nothing away in Moscow. So yeah, it's going to be tough. And uh, Braga, we all know Portuguese clubs. Um, uh, very very competitive, especially in Europe. So I expect I expect it's a very 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 tough matchup. I don't even know in terms of prediction. I don't know Braga that well to make a prediction right now. You're absolutely correct, Andrew, that Spartak is in a good form right now. But we need to remember that Gustil and um, Jordan Larson won't be able to play in this round of Europa League because they played for their clubs early in the season. So uh, the two players who are now pretty much players of a starting lineup and especially Gustil who has been orchestrating the game and who has been very very important for the team uh, won't be able to play so uh, still Spartak will be slightly weakened and um, uh, it, it won't be easy it won't be easy and um, we, yeah it's a very very tough matchup and we start away in, uh, in Portugal this Thursday yeah it's, um, Andrew what was your prediction for this game I know there's going to be a preview up on uh, footballgrab.com um, it will be up by the time this podcast comes out, for that's for sure. But what's your prediction for this game? Well, I, Tim might be, I'm not sure if he'll be happy or nervous about this, but I actually am predicting a Spartak win for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to get swept along with a good run of form, but it's just the way that, I mean, I, I keep coming back to Shula, but he really is, I think he is so critical to how well they are playing that he's, he's, his awareness of his teammates you know he's he's got to settle in with the with the language of the new football and culture, but he's he's a, he's aware of his teammates around him. He's got a great eye for goal, and he's really dictating play well. And also, you know, I know uh, like Tim mentions, uh, Teal and Pon- uh, Teal and Larson will be out, but Ezekiel Ponce will be rested because he's been suspended for the last couple of games domestically. So that's a minor plus point. And I think his well, I don't want to say aggression too stereotypically, but he does have a fighting spirit about him. And if he can get that ball out of him, he could be a very dangerous player in this game. I, I really do. I think, I think Sparta could be, will, will do okay. Um, Braga are dangerous. They, the last game, their last league game, they had 20 shots on goal, um, away to sporting. Uh, but they only scored once. So they, they clearly are quite a fast attacking side. But if Spartak can hold out the first half, frustrate them, I think Spartak can win this one. Yeah. Curious to see how this turns out. Um, boys, we also have Espanol from Barcelona host Soria. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have Vadin on, um, today, but Tim, you do watch La Liga a little bit. And I know yeah, that, I do. uh, that Espanol, for example, they have, uh, Mark Rocker, who has been heavily linked with a move to Bayern Munich. Um, I think they, they, Bayern's hope is that, you know, they, they can get him maybe after this Europa League stage is over. It's a big ask for Soria, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Espanol has been very um, Im- well, impressive. It's has to be very impressive like in, in La Liga because you have uh, pretty much a division between top six and the, the rest of the clubs. But yeah, they, they have been doing well. They have um, uh, a strong lineup uh, for, you know, comparing to, to Zaria, unfortunately. And I think it will be a very tough ask for Zaria to, to compete, especially with, uh, with, uh, with Espanyol. Espanyol has quite a few fairly experienced players who have played in, in Europe, who have played for top clubs in Spain. And um, I just think they're just like really a, a level above. Obviously, you know, we would love to see... Um, Zaria in, again, in, in the, in, in the European, uh, main uh, tournament, but I think it's a big ask for them. And, uh, Espanol, they haven't played European football for a while with their new approach to the, the way they run the club. I think they, they, it will, it will be important for them to, to make there. So I'm pretty sure that Espanol will be up for it. Uh, it's important to them and pretty much yeah, just, just looking at squads, the Espanols are, I think, uh, favorites, but obviously, yeah, it will be cool to see Zaria, but, very little chances in my opinion. Yeah, I, I 
not very positive for Soya. Um, I'm going to write the that particular preview. Um, I'm going to write that actually today, and it will be out today as well. So um, probably just slightly after this podcast comes out, um, to be honest. So really curious to see um, how they do. But yeah, I don't think my my prediction is going to be very positive based on you know what Espanol have. But boys, um, they, that's not the only post-Soviet club. Um, we we have some curious names coming come through when we went through the playoff list just before this podcast. And uh, I mean, yes, we got Astana, for example, face Barta Borisov, two teams that have made the Europa, Europa, League, Europa League and Champions League group stage. So more familiar names, uh, Astana. Although, can we still call them Astana? I'm very confused by this one, Andrew. Um, what is their official club name these days? <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's um, it's probably best if uh, if we avoid too much um, detail on the name of the city. Uh, but yes, the Astana Arena is still Astana Arena. Um, and as far as I understand, the club is still called Astana. So um, we can we can rest easy on that one. But um in terms of where they're flying to, I think it'd be very, very good idea of them just to double check their um, their destination when they get on the plane. Um, just like the Scotland side when they yeah, so uh, came over to 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 one capital and left from another, shall we say? It's officially um, the Astana it, uh, Football Club now. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a good thing because it'll it'll keep things slightly easier to understand, right, Manu? For you, <laughs> yeah, um, no confusions last minutes about uh, where this club is based. <laughs> So it's of course the, the capital has been named Nur Sultan. I did not forget that. Um, it's just that it actually the club name still shows up <laughs> as Astana. So yeah, um, Astana from the new capital of uh, newly named capital of Nur Sultan could be making the group stage or about the boys of. But boys, um, the, the the one name that did stack out to me, and this is we, we had we had to laugh a little bit about this because there's many many Ararats around the world. Um, one particular club called Ararat Armenia. So this is not Ararat Erevan. Before even anyone gets excited about a classic Armenian team from the time of the Soviet Vijaya Liga making the, potentially making the Europa League group station, there's a good chance because they're playing Luxembourg-based club Dudelingen. Um, of course, Dudelingen could make the group stage that be historic as well. But, uh, don't get too excited. This is a very different team. Right, boys. We chatted about this. This is actually a club owned by the um was owned by the former president of the Armenian uh, Football Association, now owned by Zamvel Karapetyan, um, a billionaire. According to Forbes, he's worth four billion, so it must be true. And um, yeah, he is. <laughs> he's also tied to Putin and is on the U.S. Treasury Department list. So this is this is a curious club, guys. I mean, uh, who wants to dive in here with some thoughts about FC Ararat Armenia? Yeah, I can contribute a little bit. We got a little bit confused with the number of Ararats around because we counted three of them. The original one, that the new one, and there is Ararat Moscow, the club which is in Moscow and plays in uh, in the PFL, the third division of Russian football. But that uh, the the Ararat which will be playing in Europa League, that's an interesting team. I hope I'm not mixing them up, but like because we, like you said, there is a, a significant financial involvement. Quite a few Russian players who had experience of playing in the, in the Russian um, the Premier League uh, moved over there. They have the um, the the coach who is um, Russian, and they also have like the quite a few, like I said, players who played in Russian. Like for example, Evgeny Makiev, who played in Spartak, um, and who you know have experience playing for national team. He plays there now. And uh, generally speaking, when we look at the any squad of the Armenian team, it's full of mostly Armenian players. Uh, the, the, the team, uh, the Arad squad is full of internationals. There's few Brazilians, uh, there's few Ukrainians, there's some Russian players. So it's it looks like, the, you know, there was some uh, significant investment in terms of just buying and transfers and players. So it's interesting to see how they do, and especially if they make it uh, to the group stage of the league, that will be very, very interesting. So... I'm not sure, uh, maybe Andrew can add something on that, but uh, interesting project, and yeah, we would love to have them in the group stage of Europa League. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Uh, I tell you, I'm just going to add my own personal thing. Um, I, I, there's one reason I don't like them. They they have employed one of my least favorite figures in Russian football, um, the 
lying turncoat Vadim Skripchenko. Um, I, I've never forgiven him for, for lying, using his health as a reason to leave Odalia Kattenberg uh, and then a, a week later signing a new deal at another club. So, um, and But pleasingly, he was sacked after about six weeks anyway uh, last year. So, you know, any club that has four managers in two seasons is is got to be a complete basket case for club. But, you know, I want something interesting. I want something different. And if it's if it promotes Armenian football, that's got to be a good thing for the region. So um, Ararat Armenia is heading into this game in second place behind Ararat Erevan. Um but have one game in hand. This is not, not confusing at all. No, not confusing at all. Uh, both teams also based in uh, Erevan. Um, Ararat, of course, should have... Ararat, Yerevan, so this is the classic team from the, you know, the, the Soviet Vishaya Liga, should have been relegated last year. But thankfully, Armenia's Premier League was once the smallest European first division um, of any of them. Uh, only had five teams. Last year they, they had seven, um, but they expanded the league to ten, so uh, no one got relegated. So Ararat <laughs> Erevan, who should have gotten relegated last year, are currently a title contender thanks to uh, yeah, thanks to the expansion of the league. So yeah, um, that's Armenian football for you. It's always a little bit crazy. Um, they have they have actually managed to finally expand the league beyond the city of Yerevan. Um, there's now a team based in <laughs> Chirac, there's one in Lori, and then there's one in Kansasa. So, yeah, um, good for them. Uh, would be the first Europa League group team um, from, yeah, from Armenia, so curious to see how that goes. Um, we also have Karabakh um, playing against Linfield, team from North Northern Ireland. So really curious. I mean, Karabakh, a very experienced side. I reckon they will go through. And then finally, we got a team from Lithuania face Ferenc Varos from Hungary, FK Sudova from Mariampole. Um, that would also be a first, boys. A first time a Lithuanian team to reach the group stage of the Europa League. So we're going to have some really fascinating names in this uh, competition next year, as it looks like, because, yeah, um, usually don't get teams in the group stage. They usually don't make it this far. Um, this is the furthest this team has ever made it. Actually, they were they were got eliminated by uh, Celtic last year at this stage. So, hey, we'll find out. Maybe we're going to have a Lithuanian team, a team from uh, a team named Astana, from the capital of Nur Sultan and a team called Ararat Armenia that should not be confused with Ararat Erevan <laughs> in the group stage of the Europa League. I love this competition. Europa League is actually, you know, I think they don't get, they don't get, that competition doesn't get enough credit. Um, I think it's one of, it's one of those great competitions where you actually still get a really good mix of teams from all over Europe and you can actually have to like learn geography in order to understand where you're playing next. And I think that's what football should be all about. Uh, Champions League, of course, is a fantastic competition, but, you know, it's 16, 16 countries, 16 teams from just four countries. Um, the rest doesn't really get a much of a look. But boys, I know, Tim, you have to run the work, so we have to wrap it up. But Tim, what has been going on in your life? Um, tell us, um, what do you want to promote? Oh, luckily, uh, yeah, like I said, it's nothing for now happening in terms of just music. I'm just taking a break and enjoying the remainder of the beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia summer. Uh, but yeah, like I've been watching lots of football. Uh, Spartak, yeah, it's really provides me lots of entertainment with the Europa League and the mix of. So yeah, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at Rocket from Russia and also on uh, Twitter, Russian Tim 61, where I, um, Converse with Andrew about Russian beer, <laughs> which you should should. Uh, Andrew, other than the um, Europa League and Champions League previews on FootballGrad.com, what else is going on in your life? Um, of course, drinking beer is is important. Well, you know, of course, I've got two very important appointments with uh, bottles of Sibirska Corona Bibialna mm. in the next couple of days. But actually, I've, I've started a new project, which is uh, I'm quite excited about with uh, a few opened a new football platform called Heart of Football and we are looking to tell different stories that you don't normally see so you know tell stories of youth development grassroots football um, you know some nostalgia and I'm really excited we've got a good Facebook page I'm gonna have a website YouTube channel Instagram 
Um, going to have a lot of pictures and video. It's going to be really exciting. So that's uh, that's my big project at the moment. Um, so yeah, head over there on Facebook if you're interested. Yeah, definitely give that a uh, check that out. Yeah, boys, um, my stuff as always can be found on my Twitter channel at Manuel Veth or whatever I do for the Football Grad Network at Football Grad Live. So give that Twitter account a follow as well. Lots of content coming your way. I mean, I covered, covered the Europa League, Champions League, Bundesliga, Russian football. Um, so lots and lots of content. Anyways, guys, that's it. Until next, next week, dos vidanje. <laughs>